0: Family Church, If you would stand right there where you are, grab your Bibles or whatever you use to access God's word and hold it up real high and repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the living word in our lives and in our hearts. And I pray today that the spirit of God will use me to articulate and explain, God, a new level that we can walk in as your people. And I pray today that we will hear, hear with our ears And we will receive with our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you are physically in attendance, you probably have noticed that I'm not there. Well, I'm currently in California. I am ministering at Pastor Chase Church. And because the message from last week was a two-part message... I want it, I want it to continue it. So, um, before I do that, I, I want to give some sermon guidelines, some sermon response guidelines. And so, uh, this is what we're going to do today. Okay. Um, here's the deal. If I ask you to say amen, I need you to say, okay, everybody didn't get it. We got to try that again. Okay. Just touch your neighbor and say neighbor, pay attention. Okay. Let's try this again during the sermon. If I ask you to say amen, I need you to say amen. there we go. All right, that's good. So listen, if you weren't here on last week, I really encourage you to go back and watch last week's message. And here's one of the reasons why last week's message was the prerequisite to this week's message. So uh, the information that I'm going to be teaching today uh, the platform for it or the foundation for it uh, took place on last week. So if you're taking notes, the message title is Faith for the Hundredfold Blessing Part 2. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do up front so you can stay with me. Because my goal is to show you that the hundredfold level not only exists, but I'm going to show you the barriers that no, most people face To never getting the 100-fold blessing. I'm going to show you that. And then I'm going to show you how to walk through that. So, last week we used as our foundational verse, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 30. Now, what I'm going to do is, what I'm not going to do is read the whole account again. But I want to summarize it. So, there was a rich young man who approached Jesus, okay? And Jesus asked, you know, he asked him, Jesus... What do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus said to him, I want you to sell everything you have. I want you to give it to the poor. And then I want you to take up your cross and follow me. The young man did not like those instructions from Jesus. Because the Bible says he walked away grieved and he was very sad at what Jesus said. So that's when Jesus said something. That startled the disciples. He said to the disciples, it's difficult for people who trust in their riches to enter God's kingdom. So let's pick up the story now from Peter's response to what Jesus said. This is in Mark chapter 10 verses 28. It says, then Peter began to say unto him, we have left all, everybody say all. We have left all and followed you. Boy, that takes faith. And so verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, left brethren, left sisters, left father, left mother, left wife, left children, or left lands. For my sake and the gospels, watch verse 30. He says, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Everybody say one hundredfold. He said they'll receive a hundredfold. And that word hundredfold, when you look it up, it actually means a hundred times. So he's saying anyone who leaves those things for his sake in the gospels, they're going to receive a hundred times, watch this, now in this time. And then he says, houses, a hundred full of houses, a hundred full of brethren, hundreds full of sisters, hundred full of mothers, hundred full of children. And people say, I don't want that many children. Well, I would love to have that many children if I owned a daycare center or if I owned a charter school. Praise the Lord. And then he says. And children and lands, but here's what we're going to focus on today. He says, with persecutions. In other words, the hundredfold blessing, the hundredfold level church comes with persecutions. And I pointed out on last week that there were pre, two prerequisites that we must meet in order to qualify for the hundredfold level. The first one was, you and I must trust God with all Before he can bless us with all. Let me say it differently. If you can't be trusted with the 30 fold level. How can God trust you with the 100 fold level? And then the second prerequisite that we gave last week. uh, That we discovered is that you and I we must be willing listen to release what God has blessed us with. And that he's given us to receive. We must be willing to release that. And so one of the reasons I covered tithing on last week is so our understanding, watch this, of what it is and why we should do it from a biblical perspective. That's why I covered tithing. Listen, once your view of tithing is correct, which is it's not mine, it's the Lord's, watch this, then your understanding and your actions can go to a new level. Leviticus chapter 27, verse uh, 29 and 30 it says, and all the tithe of the land, not some, but all the tithe of the land, whether the tithe comes from the seed of the land or if it comes from the fruit of the tree, it says it is the Lord's. And then he goes on to say it's holy. So when you and I try to keep God's tithe. Not only does it belong to him, which makes us a thief now, but watch this. It says it's holy. So now I'm holding on to something that's holy. Now, the second prerequisite that we covered last week is where giving comes in. And so last week I made a statement. I said, if you're tithing and I started talking about tithing, I said, I'm not talking to you. But right now, if you are a tither, I am talking to you. Because the second prerequisite is where giving comes in. See, the average believer, especially here at Word of Truth Family Church, doesn't understand that even though you and I, we decide, watch this, on the amount of the offering that we give. Not giving the offering still puts us in the God-robbing category. And remember last week I said, if we are robbing God, we're robbing us. Listen to the Living Bible translation of Malachi 3 because here's the unfortunate thing. So many churches focus on the tithe that they forget to explain to the people that tithing is not the, is not the only thing that we're required by God to give. But the offering is too. And even though we decide the amount of offering we choose to give, it's still a requirement for the blessing that God wants to bless us with. Listen to Malachi 3, verse 6 in the Living Bible. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you are not already utterly destroyed. For my mercy endures forever. Verse 7. Though you have scorned my laws from earliest times, you may still return to me, says the Lord Almighty. Come, he says, and I will forgive you. But you say, we have never, ever gone away from the Lord. And verse 8 tells us, the Lord says to them, will a man rob God? Surely not. Everybody say, surely not. Surely not. And yet, he says, you have robbed me. You have robbed me. Watch this church Of the tithes and offerings. And I like this part. He says, due to me. You know how you get a bill in the mail from the electric company and it says, due? Well, guess what? When the tithe comes into our hands, it's due to the Lord. And I want you to notice that God required both. He said, you rob me in tithe and offering. So the guidelines for one is determined by God. That's the tithe. But the amount of the other one is determined by us, and that's the offering. And here is where generosity is actually shown. See, the average person who has learned to tithe has not reached the next level by giving offering. The average person, right? In other words, if you were to look at the giving record of a tither, this is what it would look like. Tithe, 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 tithe. Right. The problem is they're still robbing God and themselves because there's no offering there. Amen. The problem is that they will not see the full increase until they learn to give. And that's what Second Corinthians chapter nine in the New Testament is all about. I'm going to read it in the amplified version because it's talking about over and above giving. This is what it says. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And then it says, but he who sows generously, watch this, that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. I like this part. He says, let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart. Now, some people think, well, that's why I don't have to tithe. He said, I can purpose in my heart what I'm to give. No, remember, tithing is not giving, it's returning. Giving is over and above there. He says, listen, let a man make up in his mind how and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in and God prizes above other things and God is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompted to do giver whose heart is in his giving. And then I love verse eight, after you and I give, whether that's with little or with big, he says, and God is able to make all grace, which means Every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, no support. And watch this and your furnace in abundance to do every good work. And give to every charitable donation. Why? Because you've learned how to give over and above. So I'm going to give you a take-home statement. Are you ready for this? This is so good. I'm excited and there's nobody in the room. Listen to this, church. Favor is unleashed when giving is released. Oh, that is so good. I'm going to say it again. Because he says once we give, God is able to make favor, every earthly blessing to come to us. So I'm going to say it again. Favor is unleashed when giving is released. You ever got chased by a dog because the owner of the dog accidentally let go of the leash and this pit bull comes charging after you? In other words, once the leash was released, guess what? Uh, The the dog was unleashed. Well, guess what? When you and I learn how to give, God causes favor to be unleashed when giving is released. In fact, this week, I'm going to tell you what happened i went to go get one of my cars inspected because my sticker is expired i pull up to the place a guy walks up to me and says may i help you i said sure i need to get my car inspected he said no problem so i started looking for my insurance card on my phone and he knew that's what i was doing because i've gone through this before they're gonna ask me for my insurance papers but he looks at me he says sir I don't even need your insurance papers. I said, well, I appreciate that. Amen. So, you know, since he was nice, I thought, wow, this is interesting. So I gave the guy a $20 bill and said, you know what? Enjoy lunch today on me. He said, well, sir, it's only going to take me about eight eight minutes to do your car. And I thought, I have never had my car inspected in eight minutes. Well, I go in the office and sit down, and I promise you I wasn't sitting down for three minutes. The guy comes back in, and he says, Mr. Connor, your car has been inspected. Here's your paperwork. And so I went up to the counter to pay, and he says, this is on me. Everybody say favor. Absolutely. God will cause all favor to be unleashed when your giving is released. And you may be saying, well, Pastor Evan, what does giving offering or giving for that matter, have anything to do with the hundredfold. Well, remember what Peter said to Jesus. He says, I've left all, we've left all to follow you. Remember Jesus' response? And he told him about the hundredfold promise. Well, let me say this. Because in fact, I'm about to say something that's simple, yet it's profound. You won't be willing to leave all without first being willing willing to leave some. I'm going to say that again. You won't be willing to leave all. They said, "Oh Jesus, we we'll, we left all to of follow of you." Well, let me say this. You won't be willing to leave all without first being willing to leave some. Because let me tell you this church, tithing is the beginning, not the end. It's the start, not the finish. Amen. And so those of you who are, who are tithers and but you're not consistent offering givers, start with something. So that you could watch this say that you fully obey God. And once you and I have fully obeyed God and we fully obeyed his instructions, then guess what? Then we can claim the promises of him open the windows of heaven and we can claim the promises of him pouring our blessings and we can claim the promises. Watch this. This was good of him rebuking the devourer for our sake. So here's the key question that I've been wanting you all to ask me. What's the question? Once you and I have met the prerequisites of the hundredfold level, what do we need to do to see in manifestation the hundredfold level in our lives that Jesus said we should have? That brings us to point number one. If you're taking notes, point number one is this. The hundredfold level sometimes have next level devils. Oh, I'm going to say that again. And I'm gonna t- touch your neighbor and say, neighbor. If you go to napping, he's going to go to slapping. Let me tell you something. This message today can change your life. Here's the point. The hundredfold levels sometimes have next level devils. Now, I'm just going to briefly read Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Because after Peter said, that they've left all and Jesus goes through the the you know no man has left met brothers and sisters and mother and all that stuff well in verse 30 this is what it says but he shall receive a hundredfold or a hundred times now in this life all those other things but then he says two key words that most people don't qualify for persecution for he says with they don't qualify but a hundredfold. he says with persecutions so let me give you what the Bible defines as persecution. He says in the Bible, it says that word trouble uh, persecution means trouble. It means harassment and it means hostility. Who in their right mind will want to experience trouble, harassment or hostility? Well, I'm going to show you. At the end, that the Bible says those who live godly is going to suffer persecution. So if you're going to go through persecution, you might as well receive the hundredfold for it. But here's the problem. Most people are not ready for persecution. Therefore, they exempt themselves from the hundredfold level. Amen. So the word persecution means trouble, harassment, or hostility. It's anything designed that will pull us away from faith in God's word. And put us in the fear. And the whole idea of persecution is to move you from that place of faith. So what I'm about to do is to show us some biblical examples of what persecution looks like. What it sounds like, and then what I'm going to do, I'm going to, man, I'm going to arm you today with the kryptonite to persecution. Because there's something that weakens persecution, and I'm going to show you what it is. Because if you're going to be persecuted, you might as well be blessed in the process. The first example is Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Let's read this example very fast because I'm running out of time. It says in in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1, it says, and there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Everybody say there was a famine in the land. Okay, so we already know the condition now that Isaac is in. It says that there was a famine in the land. And then it says, and Isaac went to this king named Ambimelech. And so the Lord appeared to him in verse 2 and says, hey, don't go down to Egypt. I want you to stay in the land that I tell you. And he says, I want you to sojourn in this land. And I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless your seed. And I'm going to give them all these countries. And I'm going to perform the word that I gave to Abraham. And then verse 4, he says, I'm going to make your seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven. And then watch this now. He says, the reason I'm going to do all of that. Is because Abraham, your daddy, obeyed my voice, he kept my charge, he kept my commandments, he kept my statutes, and he kept my laws. So don't tell me your obedience today does not affect the next generation. Let me tell you something, you may be obeying God and you may not be seeing the full benefits of it, but what I want to say to you is you don't know what your obedience now is going to do to your next generations later. So watch what happened in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. After Isaac, the Bible says there was a famine in the land. Well, let's see how Isaac responded to that. It says then Isaac sowed in that land. He sowed during a famine. Why would he do that? He gave when times are hard. Why would he do that? He gave when the, when the economy was bad. Why would he do that? He sowed in that land. And watch what happened, church. He received in the same year. A hundredfold return. And then it says, and the Lord blessed him. But let me show you. I told you that, watch this, the hundredfold attracts persecution. I told you that. Well, watch this. Look at verse 14. Well, verse 13. He uh, waxed great. He went forward or made progress. He grew until he became very great. He had possession of flocks and possession of herds. He had a great store of service. This man had people serving him. But then watch what it says. And the Philistines envied him. That's right. If you and I are going to walk in the hundredfold level, you got to get used to people envying you. You got to get used to people talking about you. You got to get used to people uh smiling in your face all the time. They want to take your place. Hey, that's right. Back step. You got to get used to that. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 26, verse 16, they wanted Isaac to get out of that land. The king of Bimelech came to him and said, Isaac, I in mean, verse 16, go from us. In other words, get out of here because you have become mightier than us. Let me give you another quick example. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7. What am I doing? I'm trying to get you to see that although persecution is here, I mean, the hundredfold level exists. Persecution comes with it. Paul said, for I will not see you now by this way. He was talking to the Corinthians church. He says, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord will permit. He says, but I'm going to tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. He's going to tell us why in verse 9. He says, for a great door, a great opportunity and an effectual is opened unto me. And then watch what he says about that great opportunity. And there are many adversaries. So you think you're going to get promoted and not get some hate? You think somebody's going to take you to the next level and you're not to get some persecution? Let me tell you a secret, saints of God. Persecution comes with next levels. So let me give you a take-home statement very quickly. Some things that are great, comes with those who hate. Oh, I'm preaching today. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Our pastor Evan is preaching it. Ain't nobody in the room. Yeah, it is. Y'all are all out there. Good to see (laughs) y'all. Some things that are great comes with those who hate. In other words, listen, church, some opportunities come with some opposition. In Acts chapter 13, verse 49 49, here's another example very quickly. And the Lord, and the word of the Lord Was published throughout all the region. In other words, the word got out there. And if you keep reading that whole thing, people got saved. The Gentiles got saved. And then watch what happened in verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city to the point, watch this, that they raised persecution. There's that word against Paul and Barnabas and they threw them out. Listen to the living Bible. It says, so God's message was spread about through the region. Then the Jewish leaders stirred up both the godly women and the civic leaders of the city. And they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas. Sometimes the devil will use people in church to persecute you. Amen. So here's the question. How do we manage persecution? You know how sometimes you have to, you know, I don't know if you've ever had high blood pressure and you, they, your doctor tell you, you need to manage that. Sometimes they tell you to manage it through your diet, manage it through what you eat, manage through what you don't eat, manage it maybe through taking medication. Well, here's the question. How do we manage persecution? Because God, listen, church, I need you to get this. Listen, what I'm about to say. God will not allow us to experience things we can't handle. So if he knows we can't handle persecution at the hundredfold level, he being a good father is not going to let that happen. Therefore, if we can't handle the persecution at the hundredfold level, he's not going to let us reach that level because we can't handle it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, There is no temptation taking you but such that it is common to man. But God is faithful who would not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may bear it. I love the message translation. It says this no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others had to face. All you need to remember is that God, watch this part, will never let you down and he'll never let you be pushed past your limit. So if he knows you can't handle the persecution at the hundred bowl level, he will keep you at the 60 level until your skin gets thick enough to be able to handle that persecution. I've decided if I'm going to go through it, God might as well give it to me. Which now needs us to know that persecution requires preparation. This is point number two. See, here's the thing, church. If you know that in order to experience a hundredfold level, the hundredfold life, if you know that it's going to produce troubles, If you know you're going to experience distresses and persecution, here's my question. Why not prepare yourself ahead of time for that? See, if I was a professional athlete and I knew the team that I was about to face, it would behoove me to prepare myself for this opponent. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch some film on my opponent. I'm going to practice. What I'm going to do when I play this opponent, I'm going to look for my opponent's weaknesses. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm also going to learn some plays that my coach has designed to defeat them. Well, our best defense when it comes to persecution is our faith in the word of God. But here's something, I'm about to drop a bomb on you. But we have to remember, watch this now, the word positions us to get the hundredfold level, but the word itself also attracts persecution. Oh my God, what are you saying to me, Pastor Evan? I'm telling you that the hundredfold level, the best defense of that is the word of God. But the word of God and the promises, not only does it allow me to reach the hundredfold level, the word itself attracts persecution. <gasps> Wow, listen to Mark chapter four, verse 16. There's a parable talking about the word and the sower sowing the word. It says, and these are they who likewise are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, they have heard the word. Watch what it says. Immediately they receive it with gladness. Boy, that pastor ever preached that word Sunday. But then verse 17 says, if you don't have rooted yourself, you might endure for a while. But afterwards, watch this church when affliction or what? What's the word up there? Or persecution arises, watch this, for the word's sake. What? Yes. Persecution comes for the word's sake. Let me tell you why it's coming for the word. Because the word is what produces the hundredfold in your life. And so if the devil can get the word out of your heart by way of persecution, well, guess what? He's going to use Sally at work to do that. And I'm about to say something that I need you to pay attention to. We all have used computers and every now and then we might have gotten a virus. Listen to this. Anytime you and I are exposed to the word the virus of persecution is trying to download into your heart so that It can contaminate your faith that the word produces. Did you get that? You know what? If you didn't get it, you can watch it again on YouTube because I'm running out of time. Sometimes, church, persecution comes because we have the word in us. You may say, well, why does that happen, pastor? Because, watch this, it's our faith in the word. And what the word will produce, which is thirty, six and a hundredfold. Listen to Mark chapter four, verse 20. It says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as them that hear the word. Watch this. They receive it. And once they hear it and receive it, they bring forth fruit. Watch this church, thirtyfold, sixty and a hundredfold. In other words, the word is what determines the fold that we get in our life. Here's a take home thought I want you to think about. Your word level will determine your ability to handle persecution level. And the best way, listen, church, I'm almost done. The best way to prepare yourself with the word is to know who you are in God and in Christ. Because, listen, knowing who you are in Christ, it gives you the confidence to know whose you are. You don't just know. Who he is. But you know who you are. In Romans chapter 8 verse 35. It says who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation do that. Should distress do that? And then he says, does, well, can persecution do that? And so don't, he goes on to say in verse 37, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors than him that loves us. In other words, he said, listen, I don't care what kind of persecution you're going through. Listen, you have to go through that knowing you are more than a conqueror. Listen to the New Living Translation of that. It says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hungry or destitute? Because see, some of us go through stuff. We be like, we say stuff like, "Uh, "Is God here? Where you at, God? Uh, God must not be with me, or I wouldn't be going through this trouble." Well, uh, Jesus went through a whole lot of trouble, but God was with him. No, he says in verse thirty-seven. In despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. In other words, when we're going through persecution, you have to know that you're coming out with an overwhelming victory. So here's the last part. How do we prepare ourselves for persecution? How do we do that? How do we prepare for persecution? We do that by having a personal Biblical perspective of who God is, what he can do and who he has made me to be. Second Timothy chapter three talks about that. Now we read some of this, but I'm going to read it again. He said, but you have known my doctrine. This was Paul talking. He says, you've known my manner of life. You've known my purpose. You've known my faith. You know my long suffering. You know my charity. You know my patience. Watch this. Verse 11, he says, persecutions and afflictions. They came to me when I was at Antioch and Iconium kind of and Lystra. He says, but those persecutions, I endured them. He says, but watch this. Watch this. This is so good. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And then verse 12, he drops the bomb and he says, and I do want to remind you, saints of God, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. So let me tell you something. If you're striving for the hundredfold level. You know what? Persecution is going to come. But let me tell you what else you can be living right, ain't doing nothing wrong and persecution still going to find you. So you might as well get blessed while persecution is taking place. Amen. You must be convinced. This is how now you fight through that. You must be convinced that whatever comes your way, it's not going to take you, shake you or bake you. Listen, you have to have the attitude that the greater one lives on the inside of me and nothing by any means is going to hurt me. You will go through it. You will get through it. And whatever is thrown your way, you will shake the dust off of your feet, just like the disciples did. Acts 1350. That's what they did when those Jews stirred up those women that we read about and they threw Paul and Barnabas out of the coast. In verse 51, the Bible says they shook the dust off of their feet against them. Listen, let me tell you something, saints of God. Woo, I'm closing right now. Listen, 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 Linda. No drama. When I go through persecution, I'm going to be like the three Hebrew boys that came out of that fire. The Bible said they didn't smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't singed. Their clothes wasn't burnt. In other words, you didn't even know they went through the fire. Well, when you and I go through persecution, we must go through persecution. And listen, at the end, we need to know, listen, no drama residue is on the, on the inside of me. Listen, no trauma residue is left on the inside of me. The only residue that's on the inside of me that you will see, watch this now, is this permanent residue and impact that the persecutions... Testimony has done in my life. You said, what do you mean by that, Pastor Eben? If there is anything that the residue of persecution has done, it has, it has left an impact on God's goodness in my life. How he came through, how he delivered me, and how he worked things together for my good. And say, listen, saints of God, if you're going through something bad, that means it was good before you went bad. And if you'll let God, and if you'll trust him, and if you'll walk through this thing, the Bible says He works all things, not some things, all things together for your good. And see, if it's bad right now, I'm telling you to stay in faith. Why? Because good's coming and the second good is always better than the first good because God always outgoods Himself. Listen, get with God, it gets gooder and gooder. I know that's not a word, but anyway, here's the last point. How do we prevent the impact of persecution? Cause it's gonna happen. How do, how do we prevent the impact? See, that's what they do when you play sports like football. You know, they don't just go out there with just bare clothes on. No, no, no. They give them a helmet. They give them shoulder pads. They give them uh, 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 thigh pads and knee pads. They give them all this equipment. Why? To help them with the impact of those hits. Well, here's the question: How do we prevent the impact of persecution? Here's the big, here's the the the, the, the main one. We must have thick spiritual skin. You say, well, what does that look like when you have thick spiritual skin? The negative opinions and thoughts from other people don't bother you. Here is the attitude that you have to have when it comes to the hundredfold level. Acts 20, 22, this is the last verse. Paul said, and now I'm going bound to the spirit in the spirit unto Jerusalem. In other words, somebody, they had him handcuffed. He said, not knowing the things that are going to befall me there. He said, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that the bonds and the afflictions abide me. Watch verse 21 or 24. He said, but you know what? None of these things move me. None of them move me. And that has to be your attitude when it comes to persecution. That don't move me. Lying on me don't move me. Talking about me don't move me. Cheating on me don't move me. No, no, no. He said none of these things move me. So how do we apply the word today? Number one, your word level should match your promise level. If you just want 30-fold, that's fine. Make sure you got 30-fold with the word in your life and in your heart. Number two, persecution only works. My pastor says this. Persecution only works to the degree that you need the opinions and the applause of man. That's when it works. See, it don't work. I get, I get, I get criticism all the time. I'm probably gonna get it with this outfit I got on. You know why? Because there are some people who are anti-Gucci. I don't care. It's my preference. But you know what? If I was scared and afraid of what people thought, and I don't know, I don't I'm not gonna buy I'm not I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm not gonna buy this new car. I don't want my family to know I got some money. Persecution <laughs> Persecution only works to the degree that you need the opinions and the applause of men. Here's number three. Your identity in Christ should always, everybody say always it should always override the identity that others have of you. I'm going to say that again. Your identity in Christ should always override the identity that others have of you. And here's number four. You're going to declare who you are every day. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And listen, none of these things move me. And I want to pray for some people this morning. Because you've allowed some of these things to move you. You've allowed what people said about you to move you. You've allowed the lies that people have told on you to move you. You've allowed the blessing of the Lord on your life. And what people say about it to move you. So you, look, you... When you're around your family, I'm talking to somebody right now. When you're around your family, you don't take your Louis Vuitton purse, your Gucci purse, all your name brand stuff. You dress way down. You still look good, but you dress down. You know why? Because you don't want them to think that you got some money because you don't want them to ask you for none. Well, I want to pray for those today. Who would say you know what Pastor Evan I want I want the hundredfold life I'm in so here's the question how many today by the show of hands want to experience the hundredfold level in your life well listen to this message over and over to the point until your skin gets thick enough that you can handle whatever comes your way because I promise you if you handle it right God's going to sit there in heaven laughing because the Bible says he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. God ain't trying to kill your enemy. He want them to stay up long enough and live long enough to watch you be blessed. He want to keep your enemies alive long enough that, watch this, that he can sit them at the table. Next thing you know, you own the company. They coming for an interview. They don't even know you own it. And here it is. They come in to the interview with you and they didn't even know it. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that this word will fall on good ground and that it will produce 30, 60, and even a hundredfold in the lives of your people. And I thank you today for new levels of life, new levels of blessings coming into our lives as we learn how to manage and overcome persecution in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you.